You ever wonder if in the far future, and, you know, creepypasta is still going, the nostalgia factor for certain stories is going to change. So when, you know, the current rising generation gets to, you know, around our age or older, what are they going to look back on it with nostalgia? And are we going to have still have uh, quote-unquote lost episode stories, or are we going to get more haunted internet video stories? That's that's a good question. I think that when you look at how nostalgia works in creepypasta, I, I I'm going to put up a video on this sometime soon. But I think that they, a lot of the times, there is a misunderstanding of what nostalgia is, and so you see people say things like, "Hey, isn't Pokemon nostalgic?" And it's like, "No, it never went away." <laughs> Pokemon's still like, here. You, like most of the people who played Pokemon still play Pokemon. <laughs> Or have like nieces and nephews that do. It's weird. So um, on on big things like that, I I hope that they'll stop doing that. But I bet they still will. And I think that creepypasta isn't designed to be timeless. I think it's supposed to be a con- something within its own context. You know. Yeah, it's like a time capsule in a weird way. Yeah, and so. The two stories we're dealing with now are, are kind of weird in that regard because, uh, man, there's just been so many comedians that come after uh, Richard Pryor in America's Funniest Home Videos. Actually, I don't know. I think America's Funniest Home Videos is still kicking, isn't it? Surprisingly, yes, which is interesting, all things considered. Um, it's uh, a cultural institution like The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit of context for everybody listening. Uh, first of all, Hi. Uh, welcome back. We're doing another round of Short and Shivery, as usual. Uh, me and Dead Palette here are going to... Uh, we we're, we're kind of settled on... Um, maybe not Lost Episode, but something akin to that for tonight's feature. We've got a couple of short little stories that have Lost to do with... Lost Episode of Jace? Lo- yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, I, mean I, I know we've kind of t- t- covered Lost Episodes before, especially considering uh, how we had that marathon session of 1999. But there's a difference between, you know, here's a story about a thing I saw when I was a kid and it was creepy compared to here's a story about a thing everybody saw when they were kids. And this one time something came up and it was creepy. Yeah. And I don't know about the America's Funniest Home Videos one because I haven't read that. But from what I remember of the Richard Pryor one, it does kind of, I'm not going to say it's good or bad, but it does buck a few of the trends of the, the Lost Episode format. Because mm-hmm. even with like the haunted cartridge thing, all of it is like banking off of an already known IP or an already known thing, and then let's make that thing creepy is right. the idea. And so, yes, that when you're dealing with a stand-up comic like Richard Pryor, he has like had TV shows and stuff, but it's not the same format. It's just the same concept of let's take this thing that isn't creepy, make it creepy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it can be done well, and sometimes it can be outright lazy, and it's just like, you know, the the overuse of hyper-realistic blood, or suddenly, uh, you know, the Muppet Babies had no eyes, you know, things like that. Yeah, <laughs> just, that's what, that's the, that's the biggest problem with um, Lost Episode stuff. It, I don't even think it's the context stuff, believe it or not. I think it's the copying of the surface level without understanding the structure 
It's like um, yeah. it's like when some like when you see a um, early teenager buy a how to draw anime book, and then <laughs> instead of like doing the instructions, they just try and copy the final image instead uh-huh. of like, oh, here's like the measurements and every and like here's the circle, and then that circle turns into the head. It's like no, it's just wholesale copy the image. <laughs> Which is um, it's funny. My my sister is a is an artist, and what helped to get her on that pack, path was actually one of those books, which she followed to the letter. Yeah, and you, and that's the rare thing is when people actually use those books to <laughs> learn the structure. It's really that's not uh, the most common thing, really. No, it's not. So, uh, it, you know, kudos to people who actually follow the instructions and go along instead of just going on the surface. So, if you're 12 years old listening to this and you like anime and you want to be an artist when you grow up, just telling you now, do the structure. Yes, it's hard. It's annoying. Being an artist isn't easy. Draw a circle, draw some lines, and, and work draw, from there. Draw a circle, and then draw another circle that's small inside that circle. Boom, you drew a titty. <laughs> just... For, just for, Titty sprinkles. For those of titty sprinkles, for those of you who uh, want to draw um, people in the lawyer circuit, you know, yes. legal teams who want to draw legal teams. Uh, so, as we kind of already dropped, uh, we're we're keep we're keeping that theme in mind as we look at a couple of stories here. Uh, Dead Palette is present is offering uh, Richard Pryor, which I'd read before, but it, again, it's been a long time, so I don't really remember quite how it went. It was probably back when I was sort of binging. Uh, short creepy pasta. Yeah, this was um, I don't know. There was like this weird experimental boom not long after the creepy pasta wiki went up, and there was a time when instead of doing um lost episode clones and Jeff the Killer clones, people saw that that was kind of transparent, and so they tried to uh copy these formats in a in a little off kilter way, kind of like. Uh, how can I switch this up to where it doesn't look like I'm copying the same idea? And so there was this like boom of mediocre creepypastas mm. that weren't always good, but a lot of the times they were interesting. Whereas not long after you got like a bunch of things that were just literally trying just the killer over and over again. Yeah. And so the creativity wasn't there and they were bad, <laughs> but the, these stories I think that we're dealing with here, I think they came out about the same time in that strange mediocre boom period. Right. So, uh, by comparison, um, I'm, I'm doing the America's funniest videos band episode, which is, uh, one that for some reason I remember, but I also will not give by, I will not give the impression that it's a particularly good one. We're not always going to cover good stuff on, uh, undercooked analysis, but I'll let you guys be the judge of that. Yeah. I think, you really need to see everything to kind of get an idea of where we should go as a community, where this art form should develop, and how. We're just trying to expand horizons here. We need to look to the past in order to understand where to go in the future. But, you know, already we haven't gotten into it yet, but this American uh, America's Home Funniest Home Videos thing actually doesn't sound like it uh, could be that bad. I think it might actually have a few strong points. I, haven't, is... I haven't read it, but I think I have an idea of where it can go. Well, which is why I uh, I picked it out because I want to talk about uh, what works, what doesn't, and what maybe it could do better. So um, should we should we get into that one? Why don't we start with Richard Pryor actually? Okay. 
So uh, should I start off with them? Yeah, um, this is yours. So you you start okay. out, and we'll we'll do paragraph by paragraph. How about I hit three paragraphs? You hit three paragraphs. All right, let's try that. Okay. Richard Pryor has been hailed as the greatest comedian of all time, doing stand-up until about 1984, give or take a small amount of time. Or at least that's what I thought. According to witness accounts, there have been reports of Pryor continuing to do stand-up until late 2001, until the MS made it too difficult for him to continue performing. But why haven't you heard of him doing this? Simple. He was tired of touring. He wanted to entertain people on his own terms, using whatever material he wanted. So he started hitting up comedy clubs on the lower west side co- on the lower west coast, and even some smaller places in Canada. I was in, it was incredibly difficult not to get noticed, but being the greatest stand-up ever, uh, ah, it was. It was d- incredibly difficult not to get noticed, being the greatest stand-up ever. So we wore disguises that almost always worked, but occasionally his ego got the best of him, and he went a few times to incredibly rural areas without covering his face. But these were the few times I got to witness these accounts. Okay. So, so again, we're getting this set up as, as more of a... Uh... As more of a, hey, so I heard. It's not really a lost episode or anything like that, but it fits that idea of, like, here's something really uh, strongly nostalgic uh, yeah. for a lot of people, and uh, we're going to give it a weird twist. And it's also um, sort of strange because it's not 90s kids nostalgia. Because you almost always get 90s kids nostalgia out of creepypasta. Yeah. This is this is an older demographic. This is a more mature demographic. This is like 80, 80s to 70s, you know? So, like, yeah. And so you're you're not even... And that's that's uh, being an adult in the 80s and 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not being a kid then, so that's even older, you know? I like that it does that because, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people who are writing creepypasta now are going to delve back to the 90s. And naturally so. It's the 20-year rule in effect, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, do you know, MS is multiple sclerosis, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, for those that don't know, that's how Richard Pryor went. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was hailed as one of the greatest comedians ever. I, I don't know how. Much people know about Richard Pryor. I would hope people would know about Richard Pryor because Pryor is hope... great. Yeah, he's amazing. Like honestly, you look at you, you, you can go back and find any of his stand-up, and it is just, it's, it's still like, like, like gut-wrenchingly funny, like in a good, in a good way, you know. Like there, have yeah. been, there have been situations like, um, oh, I, I won't go into into the stuff I've seen, but there were some some bits he did where he talked about. When he gets angry, his voice tends to go away, and he gets he starts miming, getting increasingly angry, and he just gets quieter and quieter and quieter until he's just miming everything. But you can still tell what he's saying, and, and it's and the, it's the it's it's just it's just so funny the way he just the look on his face and his expression and his movements just. Uh. And I think that there's always been this parallel between comedy and horror, where you you get to the end and you get your either your joke, your punchline, or you get your scare, you're like, ooh. And I think on subsequent viewings of horror and comedy, you're not really getting scared, and you're not really uh, getting the raw reaction of the comedy anymore. You are remembering it, and it's 
it's almost a nostalgia for that moment. Mm-hmm. You're like taking yourself back to that first time you heard it. Oh yeah. And you know what I mean? Like the first time you hear the routine. And so now you're, you just remember that every time, which is why I think Rich, Richard Pryor is the kind of comedian where when you hear his joke a second time, it's like the first time you've heard it. It's oh, yeah. really weird. He's like one of the few comedians that can really do that where he just gets you in the gut every time. It's like, I know it's coming and it's still surprising, you know? It's, yeah, it's like, it's like that. When you were, I gotta ask, when you were a kid, did you ever find a part in a, in like something you were watching, like a videotape or something that was so funny, you would rewind it just to watch that part again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, and again, because I did the exact same fucking thing and I would laugh out loud and just like be in stitches and be like, okay, I gotta go back, I gotta go back, I gotta see that thing again. Uh, and just lose your shit over that one thing over and over again it would never get old and when it started to you just move on with the rest of the thing you were watching but you'd you'd think about that thing and you'd just keep laughing all you'd just giggle about it during the day but uh there was um i don't know how many people know dave Chappelle. dave Chappelle was another uh black comedian who um both richard Pryor and uh dave uh dave Chappelle both have really good uh, white people impressions they're just amazing uh-huh they're they're really good at that oh, yeah. but anyway uh you see this being mirrored here with uh dave Chappelle, where they both just wanted to drop off the face of the earth and not do stand-up anymore because they didn't like the fame of it uh-huh. but they really wanted to do comedy on their own terms and it's like this really hard to describe a rational thing and i think it's hard for people who aren't them to identify with it so understanding that logic is kind of hard, but we can we can see there's some sort of conflict brewing in Richard Pryor, or at least there is in this story. Mm-hmm. So you think we should uh, continue from there? I think so. Uh, okay. Now we've got a little bit more of a di- uh, little bit of additional context. You know what I mean? For for people who don't know, yeah. Yeah. Um, here's the only willing person I was able to find who tracked down his shows for around six months in the early 90s, and again, up from 1998 to 99. Apparently, people tried to take photos when he was doing this shit unmasked, and those people got dragged outside and beaten senseless, once or twice to the point of death, to act as an example. Remember how he kept doing movies into the late 90s? Well, notice how his eagle is mostly what exploded there. Cast members in the late 80s onward talked about this. And this was further shown when it was brought to my attention that he'd like to talk about at his shows how a, a nigga would be getting better material by the day, Carlin be shuffling his shit around for the last 30 years. He started to get angrier as his sense went on, complaining about why everything in the world is wrong, and at a point did a few sets where they weren't even any jokes, just him yelling at the crowd. And after these sets, he just walked back off stage like he was completely a completely different person. I think I think we should pause it there. There's yeah. a little there. There's this really interesting thing that um, some people just don't know how to deal with fame. It just straight up drives them crazy, and you see this um, in artists that are very autobiographical, like a comedian is, mm-hmm. like a rapper is. You see, like you know, Kanye West just go crazy over fame, and like you kind of want to hate him for it, but at the same time, when you really look at it, it's just like what is it that just makes people go crazy when they get famous? Why is Eminem freaking out that he's famous? Why are these comedians freaking out that they're famous? Like it's, it's a phenomenon that's hard to understand because most people aren't famous. I'm not famous. You're not. So it's like hard to understand what, 
would just attracts the craziness, pulls the craziness out of people. Oh yeah. And you see this jealousy here where he's talking about Carlin and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything to say on, on any of that matter? You mean on Carlin or just on the fact that he's jealous? On the jealousy or, or whatever. Well, it's interesting because, you know, from what I understand, um, I, I mean, Carlin and, and Pryor were kind of like contemporaries, you know? Yeah, they so, were competitors. Yeah. Like unofficial competitors. Right. But I always I always assumed it was kind of like a, you know, competitors. Oh, sure, I'm sure they like, loved each other. Yeah. Friendly rivalry. You know, they probably respected each other's stand up. I don't know much about the relationship any relationship between the comics from then, but even so. So to get that is really interesting because, like, um, I mean... And it's important to understand that these guys, um, people think of uh, freedom of speech as just being taken for granted. George Carlin was arrested for obscenity. (laughs) You know? Yeah. You gotta gotta understand, these people were fighting these battles, and I think, uh, I can't remember, Richard Pryor was involved in something along those lines, too, where... He was getting in trouble for that kind of stuff for just oh. speaking his mind and being a comedian. Oh yeah. So I mean, if they're if anything, they're 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 fighting the same battle. Oh yes, they were. And it just Carlin happened to live longer. So. But it's funny too because George Carlin's notorious for never shuffling shit around. Oh no. He, he's known for like coming out with a new hour long comedy special every goddamn year. Yeah, no, the, he, he had eleven HBO specials before he died. He died on tour, for that matter. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, I mean, God, Carlin was a Carlin was a wizard. I swear. He was, and and uh, we got to look at this from the creepy positive perspective now. Is it realistic that people would get beaten senseless at a nightclub? It is, uh, unfortunately. But what I'm trying to figure out is who is beating people senseless, uh, prior or like the people who are like his bodyguards? Like what? The, I mean, yeah. We have body club, bodyguards. What, what, people try to take pictures, and those people got dragged outside and beaten senseless. I think. Like I'm trying to figure I, out. I would I would be willing to let the scenario go down, if it was a little more like expounded upon. Yeah, that's because because as, as it is, it's just kind of like hearsay i think you could put a little more detail to it to make it make more sense so like how how do you know that they were beaten to almost the point of death you know that that seems like a little bit of a a, a jump to a conclusion i think you could have I, well to act as an example is also another bit of like logically because like like this is how do you know that these people were being made an example of too again because because no one knew that he was like going around like what what's going to happen? Right. What's like if if you see George Car- if you see uh, Richard Pryor doing a comedy set, and you just want to go off into the world where people are going, uh, they're going to like hunt you down. It's a little silly. Yeah, that seemed that seemed weird. Like, and, and I'm still trying to figure out who who is doing it. Is it Pryor? Is it like does Pryor have cronies here that are going out and beating people to the point of of death? Almost. I'd, ima- I'd imagine if he's going out undercover, he doesn't have you know bodyguards yeah so again just just from a writer perspective what does that sentence even mean uh, a little bit of more clarity would be nice i know and i know normally ambiguity is important in creepypasta but here it's one of those things where like well, wait what do you mean i don't understand it, what you're it saying could even, here it could even be like i don't know for sure but we do know that some people were beaten up 
in relation to this. That would if you be, gave, that would if be you gave even it. less detail, it would work. But here it's just kind of like oddly specific and then doesn't give enough. It's it's a little half pregnant, if that makes any sense. No, it makes sense to me. Uh, I'm a I'm honestly kind of uh, like, wait, what? Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, uh, should we continue? Yes, we might. We, we better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even more curious. I heard he made one more concert film privately. That was leaked by Jennifer Lee, Pryor's final wife and manager, just last year. It was an hour and 22 minutes, and the file was titled RP underscore existence. According to reports, it was shot at the uh, at Lat Factory with a camera that looked like it was straight out of the mid-80s. It had the hassle, uh, I had to hassle uh, Jennifer Lee to release the details when she eventually broke down I confronted her on the street in the street, crying. She told me about the horrifying picture. Uh-oh. There's some stuff to talk about there, but let's just barrel through this. Mind if I take this next one? Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right. It must have taken place in 2001 or 2002. Richard made many business trips for those few years, even though he needed assistance to get anywhere. After hours at the Laugh Factory, it was him in a room with no real crowd but him standing in front of an unplugged microphone in the darkness. Because of the distance of the camera, I could barely make out his face. But based on his expression, it was clear as day. He spent 30 or 35 minutes telling inaudible jokes and laughing hysterically to himself after he told them. And he looked like he hadn't slept in days and was almost skeletally thin. Let's finish this off before we talk. Uh, Just finish the story? or Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Two minutes after this, though, the man snapped. He start uh, just started screaming words that I could barely make out, moving so rapidly like he was going to have a seizure, and then fell out of his chair flat on his face as his immobile uh, as his mobility vehicle drifted into the distance, flat on his face, in his nearly uh, decomposed shape. He twitched but then stopped and was there until the video had a minute or so left. I noticed something horrifying. A tall man in a suit with an odd mask just came into the picture and stared at him deathly still as the video stopped. She said this is uh, she said this in tears and when I mentioned that the screams had to have been particularly audible due to the area of the Laugh Factory, she grew pale and stumbled away as if her heart had been shattered instantaneously. Ooh. Author unknown. Um, Damn. Well, <laughs> fair enough. Um, man, it has great visuals, but it doesn't make any fucking sense. No, it really doesn't. But at the same time, it's like, it's like okay, um, that's... That's why, it, again, it, it, it doesn't give you anything to work with. It's just tall... Wait, what? Wait, what? Tall man in a what? Mask what? I would, pumpkin, I would, pumpkin what? What pumpkin? I would, I would be fine with that stuff if the whole ordeal of this whole thing happening, of, of the video and uh, Jennifer Lee, his wife and manager, if that was just explained better. Because it's just like... yeah. I it's like apparently this the writer just knows this woman. It's weird. It doesn't 
it, I mean, even in Dead Bart, it was like I was thinking about this. Even in Dead Bart, you've got uh, oh yeah, I I just followed Matt Groening around at a uh, at a convention until I was just like, hey, 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 give me the tape, <laughs> and he finally and, was like, and Fine. we and we were break, uh, break fat through the coals, and this is even worse. Yeah, it really is. But it's fucking scary. It is. It's, leg- it's legitimately scary, though. I, that's it's cre- the the visuals are just really creepy, really creepy. Like, you could tell through the way I was reading it. There, I was giving it the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. I'm in this dark room. I'm reading this. It's one a.m. where I am. All I have is the computer screen light. It's scary. It's you know, it freaks you out. It's really good. <laughs> To, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. To that end, this you know when they say creepy foster like the equivalent of campfire stories, think yeah. about all the campfire stories that don't make that much sense. But uh, but in in when in the telling of them where you're sitting, it's effective. And, um, and I, I I will say this though, there, I don't think there are a whole lot of stories that fuck up like this that are scary. No, this it's one true. this one is successful uh, because it does have great images. I can afford it, the guy in the tall man in the suit with an odd mask. And I think the visual of him falling out of his mobility vehicle and just being flat on the floor. Wonderful image. Oh, yeah. That's so fucked up. It's, <laughs> it's and it's like the, it's a quiet fucked up. Uh-huh. It's 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 almost a very poignant kind of fucked up. It's it's like it's like what you're seeing what you're seeing in that moment is maybe Pryor didn't really die there, but in another way he did die. You just watched a comedian die, like not if if not like physically die, then like spiritually die. And well, that, that's the that's, that's the that's colloquialism. Kind of take away from that, you know. That's the colloquialism that they use to describe uh, a person doing terrible as a comic. Mm-hmm. Is like all oh, the set just died. That's how they describe it. Yep. And so that that's really interesting. Uh, what's also interesting is the idea of him like walking around on a stage in a well-known comedy uh, comedy club, the Laugh Factory, and him not having a crowd, but him just standing with an unplugged microphone in the darkness, almost just like going through the paces of telling the joke to himself, mm-hmm. is. Is something that I'm sure like comedians have to do in their free time, like without anyone watching, mm-hmm. to like get used to the set and everything, right? Get used to the jokes, but here it's recontextualized to be really strange and in a very foreboding image. Oh man! So what about that? What about that last paragraph though? I wanted to, because that's a little bit confusing. Yeah, that part I think is just it doesn't. It doesn't I think... work. Like, well, it's it to me. I get the impression that the 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 writer or the author, our narrator character, is trying to say, well, you must have heard part of what it said that of what he said, just because of the area of the laugh factory, and that she just walks away because she can't say it. But that could have been worded better. And even then, that's kind of a lazy, feels I like feel... a lazy way to end a story like that. Yeah, and uh, I feel that. I bet the author thought that that was a really good ending, but it's really terrible. It really is. You you can almost, like, tell... It's hard to describe, but you can tell the author thought that they, like, really hit it out of the ballpark with that part. (laughs) But they didn't. Like, 
oh, look how poignant this is. But it wasn't. The fucking idea of him just falling flat on his face. That's really poignant and in- interesting. That's really almost all you needed. We almost didn't need the tall man in the suit to come out. We really... Which is... I, I kind of... I'll, I'll defend this, though. I kind of... I, I like the idea because it's like... He's... The, the narrative I'm getting, and it's not all there, it's it's kind of inferred. Uh, and you can infer other things as well, so this isn't like the interpretation. But my interpretation is he sold his soul to the devil to become a great comedian, and he's still not getting the recognition that he thinks he deserves. Mm. Like, he sold his soul to the devil, and the devil didn't give him exactly what he wanted. Right, and that's... that's um... Like, it was a Faustian bargain that wasn't even a Faustian bargain. <laughs> Well, that's definitely the like the one that's you can definitely take that away from it, and that's definitely some of the implications there. Actually, um, what I what I meant to say was you did almost didn't need that part because it's just a horrifying image to me of just having this still shot of him lying face down on stage while his little vehicle just goes whizzing away slowly into the distance with no driver, you know, slowly backstage somewhere, and you're just staring at this while the video keeps running, and then right before the end. You're like just sitting there and nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, this weird guy with a mask and a suit just walks out on the stage and stares at him. And then the video just stops. That's really creepy. Yeah. Like picturing that, just like you've been sitting there for a while, like he's still just lying there and all of a sudden something's moving. Oh, fuck, what's that? Video's over. And uh, another place where I think that that's very effective is in. Uh, normal porn when they foreshadow the uh, shaved ape. We, we've, we've talked about that before. I find that one of the creepiest parts of the story is just the idea that when you're, while the, all this is going on, you see something move in that doorway, something run past. To me, that's almost one of the creepiest images in the story. Before yeah. we even get the shaved ape, we get that something, and it's like, oh god, well, fuck. Because it, it, um... That there, now we're just talking about that one. It's particularly effective there because it's one, a, a creepy image that's foreboding there, and the story could just end there. And then you have the ape, and that's another fucked up image. You know what I mean? Like it, it gives you one interpretation and then negates it with another interesting interpretation. Oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, and then I think the last thing I have to say about this is obviously the whole Jennifer Lee thing completely underexplained and then the whole like name of the file rp existence underscore existence little little strong there yeah again there's stumbling blocks here and but which is but what's surprising like you said is that it does have effective imagery when it does want to do it's the parts that are creepy and it works and it's it's a it's a realistic modeling of richard pryor if you know anything about him mm-hmm. this this sounds like richard pryor could have this like whole thing that you don't know about this feels like a natural extension of a fucked up story that could involve him uh-huh and uh particularly the quote of uh a nigga getting better material by the day carlin be shuffling around his shit for the last 30 years that's that's really speaks to him mm-hmm. that's some he he wouldn't say that. I don't think he would talk shit about George Carlin, but that but if he could, was going if he was going to, that's how he would do it. Yeah, you could see it. Like I think it 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 captures the like it it does a good job like getting us to believe that Car- that uh, Pryor would 
conceive could conceivably do something like this, you know? Mm-hmm. So honestly, it that that part of it works. So it, this has been it's an interesting uh, it's interesting to look at. For sure. Yeah, I've been I enjoyed reading this one again. Yeah, so did I actually, and I appreciate you sharing it. Um, so yeah, there yeah. there you go, people. Well, uh, go go watch if you don't know about Richard Pryor, go watch some Richard Pryor. You just you're probably listening to this. On you YouTube. owe it to yourself. Just do it. Pause it. Come back to this. Listen <laughs> to America. It's funny. It's on videos. Well, but go go watch it. Go watch a ten minute set. Yeah, go you owe it to it. yourself. Get a, get a sense of AF, a, um, AFV if you don't know about it anyway. Now, a uh, little bit of context here. This is interesting because it is. I think we. I think it still has the same host. I don't know, but surprisingly enough, AFV is still on TV. I've looked it up. It's still there. It's nuts. I'm sure no one watches it, but people would riot if it went off air. Yeah, it's one of those deals. I, I I may be in a minority here, but I'm still I still miss the days when uh, when Bob Saget was the host of that show. <laughs> yeah, I think you're in the minority. <laughs> well, here here's the thing that was when that was still when it was pretty novel. You know, we're talking about like the mid '90s. You know. Oh my god. When uh when the only way you could see like, but this is, but like, it seems weird to have AFV keep going and especially in the YouTube generation, although it still makes a lot of sense because now it's easier than ever for people to see your videos. But back then you had to mail them videotapes. Yeah. That's, and that's what I was thinking of is that there, there could be some sort of novelty in here and uh, I get the feeling it's going to disappoint me, but yeah, well prepare. I'm, I'm going to give it the chance to work because we let's... gave Richard Pryor the chance to work. Yeah, and as we saw with Richard Pryor, it's got its hits and it's got its misses, and now we'll have to see if AFV is the same thing. Now, again, it's been a while since I've read this one, and I remember it sticking out to me. Why it stuck out to me, I don't remember. It could be because it was really bad, but it could be because it had some bits that worked. But either way, we're going to take a uh, we're going to give it a, a analytical eye. So, um. I will start this one off, all right? How about you get to where the list is, and then I'll take over the list. You want to do the list? Yeah, we'll do that. Okay. If you live in the U.S. and turn on your TV at any time of day or night, you're likely to find an episode of America's Funniest Home Videos, or AFV, as they call it now, playing. On the chance you've never seen it, people send in their videos of themselves, or friends or family, doing something stupid for the amusement of viewers everywhere. A lot of these involve injuries of some sort, mostly things that like someone getting mistaken for a pinata or some dude getting kicked in the groin. A friend of mine who moved to Mexico a few months back sent me an email one day with a video attached. You will not believe this, it said. Looking for something to watch late last night and found this playing on a satellite channel that seems to work randomly. Caught some of it on my cell. If I had gotten this email from anyone else, I would have deleted it, thinking it was either a hacked email or a prank. My friend is a lifelong insomniac with a taste for the weird, so I decided to go ahead and watch it. Apparently, it was a Christmas-themed episode. The host, Tom Bergeron, was wearing a Santa hat, and decorated trees adorned the set. The first of many strange things was that there was no audience, just Tom sitting in a chair and smirking as he introduced the videos. The sound of the video was muffled, but I could hear that Tom's voice had been dubbed over in Spanish. Vi- okay, let's uh, let's pause here. Yeah, let's pause here. Um, I wanted to say right off the bat, one 
and I, I hate to start with a negative, but one cliche you see right off the bat in a lot of these things is, oh, the audio was bad. Uh, but, yeah. but I actually kind of think it's funny that the audio was bad and also it was dubbed in Spanish. So it would have been hard for me to tell what was going on anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like a lot of the, th- there is this lo-fi aspect to the nostalgia where you're trying to, re- where you remember it in that grainy format. You know what I mean? You remember with it. A, with a low quality way. and everything. And and a lot of it was home videos. So, you know, you're, you're dealing with low quality there also, you know? But it's interesting because, uh, again, they specifically say that the host is Tom Bergeron. So it's Tom Bergeron. Bergeron? Yeah, that's how it's pronounced. Derp. So anyway. Tom Bergeron. It's again, it's a more he's he's a you know, one of the more recent hosts of the show, you know? Uh, I think he's yeah, I think I, I think it's I only think, been hosted by two people. I think it was Bob Saget and then Tom Bergeron. So it's still Tom, so we have a, I believe a, so. a sense of time kind of when this is. Uh, but you're also like the the idea of um a Christmas episode, very plausible. They love doing this kind of stuff with mm-hmm. this family-oriented TV. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the idea that he's there without an audience. And I don't think that that's actually implausible for this. It's, it's perfectly possible that they, like, record some stuff without an audience there. Yeah. Just for convenience, you know? They probably like, have to go ahead and get this done. Reshoots or retakes. I've actually been... Yeah. Um... I've actually been, fun story, on set for... Uh, I was part of an audience for an episode of uh, At Midnight. Um, and uh, I know that they, you know, you, through editing, you could you could tell when, uh, you know, the audience is there and when not. Because I went back and watched the episode, and I was like, oh, I don't remember that bit. But some of it, most of it, I you know, was was, was with the audience there. So it wouldn't surprise me if this was what, what, what was... It is plausible. Yeah, through TV magic. To the magic of TV. That was a good episode, by the way. Uh, we went and saw it because it was the guys from uh, Mystery Science Theater who were the uh, competitors. Oh, cool. So that was fun. Uh, uh, I like some of the foreshadowing here. I don't know if it's going to pan out the way I want it to, but yeah. a lot of these involve injuries of some sort, mostly people getting mistaken for pinatas or some dude getting kicked in the groin. Well, I think that that's a good good uh, setup there. Yeah, like you know and, that you know that this is gonna. T- you already know because of the if you know it's anything about creepypasta, this is gonna take a dark turn. Yeah, but this is it's it's a plausible excuse for a dark turn. You oh. you still you still have to justify it down the line, but it's yeah. a, it's a good setup. Oh yeah, you do. Um, and what do you think about the the detail about like how? Because you know that one of the things we talked about in, in, in and uh, Pale Luna. Uh, I was thinking about this, does this better than a lot of things, was the gray area of how was this thing lost and uh, how it was acquired. Like, uh, how do you think the story's doing in that respect? <sighs> not, the, not the worst thing in the world, but it's, it's, it's really not the worst thing in the world. It's weirder stuff has happened, but you got to... You got to try better than this. It's yeah. there. You have to build a lot of your story around your justification for that kind of stuff. It's a step above. I found it on a website that doesn't exist anymore. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and I like the idea of this person sending it to you and says you won't believe this because whenever you're using clickbait terminology, 
in <laughs> creepypasta, I'm already interested because mm-hmm. I think that that's something that you can really talk about is uh, that sensational aspect of clickbait sites and that kind of stuff. It's like, look at this. Yes, we got your three cents of ad revenue. Like, uh-huh. that's um, something that I think is really fun to explore in this kind of stuff because a lot of times creepypasta artists take clickbait tactics and kind of turn them on their head and instead of making them about money make them about fucking with people mm-hmm. of like uh just building up a, a really mundane thing and then putting something fucking weird in it i like yeah. that yeah so. so i should probably start uh <laughs> reading this list yeah let's get to the uh let's get to the um the list the meat of the uh the story if you will okay the videos were all Christmas theme, but got progressively more disturbing. The one in the file included, the ones in the file included. Okay, we're already fucking progressively got more disturbing. Yeah, come did on, that's no fucking stupid. But I, come on, I know, I know. Trust me, uh, I know. As soon as I saw that, I almost wanted to go. There's there if you you're go. Having, like what's it called? Normal porn had. A good justification for its arc of there's a bunch of videos and we kind of just discovered them in this order, even though there were little problems there. Here you also have the same thing of uh, this got progressively more disturbing. Front loading. Why would why would it get more progressively more disturbing? Why would it follow a logical arc of got bloodier and bloodier and bloodier you know it doesn't make any sense right it would be like this one's kind of bloody this one's really bloody this one isn't bloody at all this one's a little foreboding like it it would be all over the place i yeah i would like it if it was more honestly well no no here just read it and I'll, i'll give you my justification okay uh one a man decorating a tree on a balcony He's standing on a chair, putting the star on top. When a man dressed in a Santa po- dressed as Santa pops out and scares him, the man is startled and losing his footing, falls over the balcony and down onto the ground. One of his arms is obviously dislocated. Um, how how not, can you tell? Not not very realistic. No. But fucking metal. <laughs> Santa Santa Santa's pretty scary. What can I say? Like the the idea is realistic, just showing it isn't. No, I I concur. Um, two, a young boy is opening a present and pulls out wads and wads of white tissue paper from the box. He finally gets what is wrapped inside, an animal trap with wide metal teeth that snaps down on his wrist. He screams and flails his uh, as blood spurts out of uh, out onto the tissue paper. And the camera. Can I, can I, let's pause for a moment while I do Go this. Go for it. <sighs> pause, pause, rewind, and then slow motion. <laughs> that would make it, like, to scream and then just like, oh! I'll say, I'll say this. <laughs> um, even though it's just a few sentences, I like the buildup of the few sentences of wads and wads of white tissue paper animal trap blood red on the white tissue paper that's a good visual and good like little arc right there yeah so in in that self-contained bullet point number two good job but then put the bullet point into the story and it's fucking stupid it really is um um and also but uh, to to the story's credit 
it matches the the when you think about how this plays out, the way it's being described in such short sentences. These match the length of the average uh, like AFV clip. So yeah, they do. I give it that much. Oh, uh, <laughs> number three, a blonde woman staring straight into the camera grins as she crushes a colorful glass ornament in her bare hand and then shoves it into her mouth, <laughs> mouth chewing. She repeats this a few times, laughing with her mouth full of glass shards and blood. <laughs> this this is some MLP board on 4chan bullshit. I told you. I warned you about this. Uh, I warned you about this. And, oh, my God. That's a... That's... I, I can't be analytical about that. That's just fucking stupid. No, no. I, 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 I wasn't trying to be analytical. I mean... Prior, oh god, okay, let's just keep going. Okay, number four, a group of kids are singing carols in front of a fireplace as their family members watch. One man who's putting up stockings on the mantle behind them misfires his nail gun and several go into the girl's eyes. (laughs) Attaching her to uh, the mantle, the other children stop and stare at her. Thinking the songs are done, the adults start to clap. The... Okay. Okay. So, just just taking out of the context of this is a creepypasta, I I really enjoy this story. Yep. This story is is making me happy. Yeah. That, see, the, I told you this for anything. I told you this stuck with me for a reason, and part of it is like I'm thinking about these visuals. It's like what the fuck. Um, <laughs> they're they are great visuals. However, yes, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. They're not creepy. They're really funny. But the, like the the whole idea of like this little girl getting shot in in the eyes with a nail gun and then like adults clapping. How does it? Is fucking gold. How does it pin her to the mantle? Where is she standing? How big are these nails? These are these are big ass nails. If they're going all the way through her eyes <laughs> to the back of her skull. Now I just want to mention, as I've mentioned, I think if if longtime listeners who have heard me. Uh, talk about uh, the origin of Laughing Jack. Know that I fucking hate, hate with the fiery passion of a thousand suns, uh, and just I'm super squeamish to eye injuries, any eye injuries and anything. And this oh, makes yeah, me laugh. Stop. This makes me laugh because it's it's not really describing the eye injury. No, it's just dumb. <laughs> it's the, it's the whole thing that you have with Mortal Kombat X, where like the violence is so over the top that it doesn't like make you squeamish no it's because you because it's 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 stupid and it's just played for what it is like look how over the top this is it, it's a like difference a, between that the, it's and... the violence of suicide club oh where yes. it's just like the girls jump in front of the train and it's just like a bunch of like orangey blood everywhere <laughs> it's just it's just played for laughs yeah exactly there's a difference between like oh this and then like that scene from that one zombie movie where hands bust through a door and slowly drag a woman toward a splinter sticking out and it's inevitably inevitable that is inevitably going to get wedged in her eye that's 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 how you do it right uh, should we should we keep yeah. going are you ready yeah uh number five 
A crowd gather in front of a home admiring a live nativity scene. A car drives up, and a man dressed in a nin- as a ninja jumps out and begins to shoot randomly. The woman dressed as Mary drops the baby Jesus, who gets trampled <laughs> in the melee. <laughs> oh, this is gold. Did you have you ever seen? Um, oh fuck, I don't remember what that. It was a. It was a like an online it was like a online cartoon it was about a bunch of larpers who take part in an in a nativity scene no oh my god it was great they're like they play the wise men and they come in and they're like sir sir baby jesus i bring you this myrrh of power and then they go into all the stats about it you know that <laughs> sort of thing this for some reason this is a much this reminds me of that uh, the... and i bring you this gold colored gift card <laughs> This is a uh, this is a really interesting story. I like these visuals. Like I so, so, sometimes I want to do the whole normal porn slash what this is doing, like the shotgun approach, and think of creepy images. But like the first things that come to my head are always like really funny things. Mm-hmm. Like it it just turns into silliness. Yeah, it's and me. so and so to see someone just like not have a filter and just go with all of this shit is great. <laughs> it, he's talked about it getting progressively worse and you can kind of get that. Honestly, number five is my favorite just because I love the idea of this nativity scene and this a ninja jumping out. <laughs> Man, my favorite in four is just the idea of the, of these adults just being completely oblivious. Oh yeah. Is great? Um, uh... Number six, a family is trying to put together a metal Christmas tree sculpture with one man holding the rods together while another inserts new ones from the top. The final rod doesn't go in correctly and instead rips through the man's face. His daughter is standing behind him and gets splattered with the blood. It's it's all this... Um, I'm trying to think of a way to describe this. There's almost like... A brutal slapstick nature of all of this. Yeah. I think, considering how the friend earlier was described, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay. I have a friend like this who would probably find all of this just hilarious if this was actually... Yeah. Uh, Let's finish this off. Okay. You want to read the rest of it? I'll finish it off. (laughs) After that last video, the episode ended with Tom saying goodnight. None of the usual contests where the three best videos are picked... And one of them wins ten grand. I can't imagine any audience that would sit through that, much less vote for them. Maybe that's why there wasn't one? I think it was a hoax or sick parody with a host that looked like Tom Bergeron, but wasn't really him. But my friend swears it was, and has seen similar episodes of other American shows on the same channel. She can't tell me what it was because it's not listed anywhere in her satellite guide, and it usually doesn't work. She can't even look up the number because she can't she can only find it by flipping through channels. Pressing info when she has found it makes it stop working. She's recorded some of the other stuff she's seen, but I asked her not to send any more of any more to me. Week, week. I'm sorry. It's <clears throat> I after reading this, I almost, I almost feel like this is an attempting to be creepypasta. I don't think it is either. Well, keep, keep in mind, I had to dig to find this again. 
But I mean, like I've heard of this story going around. I just never, I don't know what the, I never knew what the contents of it were. I knew of like a funniest home videos lost episode thing. Uh huh. Um, I don't know. I, I enjoy this for what it is. And I think that the ending is a fine excuse because I'm not <laughs> meant to believe this. I this like is ju- this is just an enjoyable little deal. Yeah, that's that's I again. It's, it's very quaint. That's kind of why I wanted to share it. Um, it it has all the the elements of what would otherwise be a bad creepy pasta, which is why I set it up that way. But it's it's kind of entertaining, you know. Like I'm I'm uh I'm a fan of this, not <laughs> not not in terms of creepy pasta. Okay, just, so number number four and upon itself is just a great visual. So what would be your top? What would be your top three if there was a ten grand prize for this? Like, let's say we, you were Tom Bergeron, or you were in the studio audience, the Imagine Studio audience for this. We have our three finalists. What do you think are the three best videos presented here? Um, nor- normally what they would do is they would kind of like go for different effects on each one. They would go for like, oh, this one looks like it hurts really bad, and this one looks really cute. Because it's like a little family thing. They try and go for different things. So I'm going to say uh, the Christmas Carol kids, because it's adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, the man falling off the balcony and dislocating his arms, because it's like a surprise thing. So that's kind of like different from the other ones. Mm-hmm. And then um, the last one would be the woman crushing up the glass ornament and eating it because they all kind of, you know, that hurts. So those all fulfill the different roles. And then I think that the woman uh, eating the glass would win, but I would be mad because I think the kids deserve it. (laughs) There's my logic. Uh, That's not bad. Honestly, if I were in the studio audience, I would have voted for uh, the nativity scene. The, just the, the, the non-sequiturness of the whole thing just amuses me to no end. I'm picturing the most, like, stereotypical ninja imaginable. Yeah, Jumping out of the car with, like, an Uzi. It's it's gold, because it's, it's not... It's not at all creative. It's just so, no. like... It's just ninja. It's not, like... <laughs> it's not a man who's just, like, dressed up normal and is just doing, like, a mass killing. It's just... It would it would be me if I was doing a mass killing. It's like, oh. what's the what's the silliest fucking way you can go about this? <laughs> the only the only thing that would make it better instead is if the ninja had done had jumped out and just like decapitated someone with a like a like a samurai like you know a katana or something or a, a wakizashi, um, like just. But something about the idea of the baby Jesus getting trampled in the melee. The quote, air, there's quotes by the way around baby Jesus. It's not actually baby Jesus, but the implied sacrilege there is pretty great. Yeah, I would I would imagine that under these circumstances, if the story was written in today's context, it would be um, Raiden from Revengeance and a poncho that does this. It's like a guy cosplaying Raiden and a poncho just jumps out and begins shooting people randomly. Oh, I like that. <laughs> um, or or, uh, or Peter Griffin, Big Boss. <laughs> I just um um it'd be fun if it was uh if it was Scorpion you know jumping out get over here uh God gone so, God <sighs> it would okay. make more sense if it was Sub Zero because it's winter ah uh, 
Good point. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, everybody, we hope you enjoyed this kind of bizarre uh, short and shivery uh, with a little bit of a holiday twist at the end. Uh, what other... Yeah, shit, let's just put this... Man, they use Christmas. Put this up at Christmas. Boom. This is our Christmas episode. There you go. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Richard Pryor is like Christmas, right? Sure. Okay, that For works. people who haven't seen them, now we told people to go see them, so now it's like Christmas for them. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Awesome. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.